to as we go. All right, hello, Miss Pinty. So just for understanding, we already, we already recorded this, but then Anchor deleted it, and we only have about 15 minutes left before the bell rings. So this is going to be really rushed, and I'm so sorry. But here we go. Do we want it to be rushed, though? We want it to take up 15 minutes. It'll take 15 minutes, exactly. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so welcome back to our final episode of this podcast again. And um, hope you're ready to compare both Wit and Waiting for Godot. So... Starting point, let's talk about how uh, Waiting for Godot is more optimistic towards the meaningless of life versus Wit being more pessimistic towards the meaningless of life. All right, so Waiting for Godot, as we have pointed out already, the whole theme of that book is that life is meaningless. It is existentialism at its finest. And I feel like the way they managed to make that look optimistic is in the fact that because everything is meaningless, Nothing is taking nothing is taken seriously. All of it's lighthearted. All of it's circular and kind of shallow with its meaning, and there's really no point to it. So it's kind of hard to get depressed over it because there's no significance or depth or really any heavy meaning behind it. Whereas wit is about a lady dying, but she doesn't want to be dying, and realizing that she just threw her entire life away, and that everything she's worked for has been meaningless. And now that she wants to fix it, it's too late. And so, you know, that I think that's a pretty sad topic. Yes. Pretty sure. sad theme. Indeed. And so, you know, that tends to look a little more pessimistic and downhearted than waiting for Godot, where nothing matters. So why should it be sad if it's all meaningless? And like you mentioned in the last deleted podcast. Yes, in our last deleted podcast. Yes, you mentioned that because of that, Waiting for Godot is more able to take on a comedy-like role, whereas Wit is very serious and dark in its storytelling. Yes. Once again, if everything's meaningless, and there's no need to have a filter, and there's no need to hold back from heavy topics. And so because of that, it's able to become off, it's able to come off as a lot more of a comedy and a lot more funny and lighthearted, since there's no reason to try and take things seriously. It's all meaningless anyway, so why should we care? It's kind of the whole overarching like tone and mood of Waiting for Godot. Whereas Vivian and Wit, she places so much value on life and death because she was a hardworking English professor who had a lot of pride in her work and placed so much value on it. And so because of that, death coming up and seeing that all go to waste is hurtful for her so much that she clings to life and completely denies it. Seen in the way she interprets the poem about salvation anxiety, replacing certain punctuation to represent a stronger barrier between life and death and more emphasis on the power that death has over her. Yeah, and you know, like you said, she changes punctuation by she replaces the comma with a semicolon, kind of trying to literally put up a wall between life and death because she doesn't want death to be as close as she knows it is. And then she replaces the period with the exclamation mark because she wants her death to mean something. She wants it to be significant. She doesn't want her life to be meaningless. She wants it to have some sort of purpose behind it. And she believes that it can, but at the same time, she knows that she won't. it won't get to because she waited too long and it's too late. And then you have Waiting for Godot where they say from the get-go, life is meaningless and they've recognized it. And so because of this, they don't see the point in living. They take topics such as suicide to be lighthearted and 
they don't care if they die because they don't see any point in living. Which is very odd considering the fact that they still in some ways cling to life like they haven't just outright committed suicide like they're still just chilling having a good time and i feel like that kind of reflects on a more like human tendency yes and the fact that like we sit here and say oh this is all pointless this is all a waste of time yet we still do it because some little voice inside of us if you ask psychology that's our ego is saying we have to yeah that's like freud freud's stupid freud is interesting I'd say it's more a locus of control. Yeah. But then, like, you also look at, like, you know, one of the common things people use to try and figure out how they want to live their life is religion. Yes. You look at how differently religion is portrayed in these two plays. And Amber, I would like to hear your opinion, since I gave my opinion on the first time we recorded this. Well, I am a pretty, uh... Yes, I am a pretty um, straight-up atheist. I've never really believed in any god or anything like that. And the way I see it, religion is more of a philosophy than an actual hard belief. And in a lot of ways, that philosophy can make death seem a lot less scary than it actually is. Like, say, Christianity, for example... Uh, believes that Jesus died um, to forgive all of our sins and as a result we are all now able to go to heaven and live an eternal life with no suffering or pain. Um, Which is very comforting because it makes it say, hey, death isn't scary. In fact, death is awesome because we get to do, do this. And yet, despite that, we still cling to life and not just leave it immediately to go straight to that eternal life. And I think that's because we're just scared of death in general. And there's still, every once in a while, very small things that keep us hooked on to life and stuff. Like, a lot of small dopamine rushes and serotonin that make us happy. Like, false hopes that are constantly happening. And um, small temporary satisfaction, such as eating an awesome cupcake. Like, who doesn't want to eat cupcake? <laughs> or having a relative who's very sick and your family constantly saying, no, they're going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Which is very much more dark than eating a cup. Yeah, and so like like you said, it kind of, religion kind of grants this hope during life and provides this comfort. But then at the same time, to me, it's like, as it's shown by Vivian, when you get to a certain point and you're on your deathbed, Religion can only do so much. It can only bring you so much comfort. And in the end, no matter what you believe, and if even if you know you're going to God's kingdom, it's like you said, none of us want to die. Death is still going to be scary, and we're still going to be trying to fight and cling to our lives because it's all we know. And the thought of leaving it is terrifying. You're... You're Christian, but, like, follow more the philosophy of it, yes? I kind of mix it up. I do believe in God. I believe in Jesus, and I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Mm-hmm. And that's about where it stops. Yeah. I follow God, I follow Jesus, but it's kind of hard to pick out the truth between all the different denominations. Yes, for sure. And so I just kind of have to trust that God will be there for me, and Jesus loves me. 
And I don't believe that because I'm unable to have that trust. I don't feel that connection, unlike you probably would. And I think we can bring that back to um, a contrasting point between how religion is viewed and waiting for Godot and wit. Yeah, and wit, as we said before, it's kind of viewed as this thing that it can be wonderful, but when you reach death, it can only do so much. It'll try, but it can only do so much. Whereas in Waiting for Godot, as we discussed in the last podcast, to us, the boy was meant to represent religion and that he repeatedly gave Vladimir and Estragon false hope, saying that they would find purpose. He would bring them Godot, a.k.a. purpose. And then when he couldn't do that, the characters would turn on him and get angry and upset because they listen to the boy, therefore they want Godot. And that's kind of a direct parallel on the real world where people will join a religion looking for a purpose. And when that purpose is not granted to them, they get upset and they lash out and they blame that religion rather than themselves. <laughs> you fun there, Amber? Yes, I'm representing what she's saying. I am looking angry and I'm punching the religion for Yes. And so I feel like Waiting for Godot paints religion as a lot more of a darker thing. You know, it's meaningless, it's all lies, it's false hope, it's not going to help you. Whereas wit kind of, it shows that religion can't be good and it can help you and it offers salvation, but it acknowledges the fact that there's anxiety towards it. Yes. Like that's literally the poem she constantly reads in the title of it, Salvation Anxiety. Yes. It's the fact that even if you know you're going to a better place, it's still scary to die and it's not going to be fun. Indeed. But that's part of what makes life so meaningful is the fact that you only get a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know it's going to you know what's going to come, so you might as well live life to your best. Indeed. So, uh, last point. So, in what ways are the different values of life portrayed in each play like how does Vivian value life or how did um Estrogen and Vladimir not value life how did they show that so I feel like in wit the way Vivian showed that life means something is portrayed that life means something (laughs) is when she started to realize that the all the stuff she'd spent her whole life on was a waste. You know, all this English, all this being a professor, this being rich and being renowned for intelligence wasn't going to help her feel any better when she died. But then she realized that in those moments of kindness with Susie, she was happier and she did feel better, even if it was just temporarily. And so I think that was kind of going to show that without kindness and love, life is pointless. But when you get that kindness and that love that every human needs at some point in their life, it has a little more meaning to it. It has more value to it, and it's more worth living. Yes, for sure. Uh, one interesting thing that I that's very odd to think about is the fact that Vivian places so much emphasis of how all the like actions she does in her life will aid her at the end of her life rather than appreciating the journey of life itself she only focuses on the ending of it yeah 
Well, then you look at waiting for Godot, where all of it has no significance. You know, they get bored, so they offer to hang themselves because they see life as meaningless anyway, so they don't see a point in sticking around. Whereas you look at Vivian, who, you know, towards the end, when she's trying to change the punctuation to that poem to try and, like, some way cling to life and fight death because she's terrified of it. And so she changes the comma to a semicolon, tries to put up this barrier between life and death. She puts an exclamation point, exclamation mark at the end of death, trying to show that this does mean something. This is significant. Whereas in Waiting for Godot, death is spoken of casually. It's, like, hey, want to hang yourself? Sounds good, man. Let's hang ourselves. And then they figure out how they're going to hang themselves. Like, they plan it. Yeah, it's kind of spooky. And the only reason they don't hang themselves is because they don't know if it'll actually work or not. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because it contradicts the whole idea of meaninglessness. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't matter, then why should it matter if it works or not? But I feel like that kind of shows that internal tendency that we discussed earlier. I don't know if that was in this podcast or our first recording of this podcast. We'll see. <laughs> but that tendency of, sure, we say we want to die, but we say that, hey, it'll be great in this afterlife. But in the end, we're still scared of death. We don't want to go. It really goes to show how like deep of a depression someone has to be to consider doing something like that, considering how terrifying it is to face death like that mm-hmm. well and even then you could look at people who survive suicide attempts and a lot of them will say that it wasn't until they'd already started that they realized i don't want to do this mm-hmm. like i don't want to die Indeed. and i feel like that kind of reflects on the salvation anxiety poems and really vivian's whole mindset herself Like, in the beginning, she's kind of ready to accept it. She knows, hey, I'm going to die, and she's fine with it. But as she draws closer to actually leaving the world that she's in, she realizes that this is not what she wants. Yeah. Do you think that about wraps it up? I think so. Yeah. I'm so sorry that this is shorter than before. Our first one was, like, 18 minutes, but um, the bell's about to ring, and we have to go. And we're so sorry. We went through all our points, though, just at a much faster pace than we did before. And there's a lot less personal experience we put into it. We also didn't discuss the whole language thing. Oh, uh, yeah. And contrasting we, we the points. We may or may not have <laughs> insulted your degree. Um, <laughs> we may or may not have insulted language in general and talked about how it was useless. But that's okay. That's doesn't okay. matter. Because you're not going to hear that yeah. podcast because yeah. it's gone. <laughs> so, whew. Goodbye, Miss Matthew. Goodbye. Have Thank a you nice for listening. Day.